Radio. You're listening to Cryptocurrent, the only podcast that explores the bold projects, exciting opportunities, and the growing reach of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Whether you've got skin in the game or you're just crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay Cryptocurrent. Now here's your host, Richard Carthon. Today's podcast is brought to you by Kilt Protocol. Kilt is an open source blockchain protocol for issuing verifiable, revocable, and anonymous credentials for Web3. Kilt makes it possible to describe and attest to any kind of characteristics of a person's, organizations, and even things in a standardized way. This makes Kilt a system for self-sovereign data. Kilt establishes data sovereignty in the internet, and it puts users in control of their data so that they can decide which data they want to share, when they want to share it, with whom they want to share it, and for what reason. For more information, go to kilt.io. Again, that's kilt.io. And now for today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. And today I have a special guest all the way out in Berlin working on a protocol that you need to know more about. I'm excited myself to learn more about. We have Ingo with Kilt. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thank you for inv- inviting me. Of course. Well, excited to learn more about you and learn more about this amazing project you have going on. But before we do, let's learn more about you. Can you give us some background on yourself? I'm a computer scientist. Uh, I'm from Germany. I also studied in Germany. Um, in the 90s of the last century, I had my first startup quite a while ago. After selling the startup, I, I did something pretty unusual. I went into industry and worked for companies like Axel Springer, which you might have heard of, which is a big publisher, and also Berda, which is also a quite big international company, uh, was the CTO there. And... Yeah, and one of the things that you do as a CTO is basically report to the group board and say, here's a brand new technology coming up, please look at it. And this is how I made it into blockchain, basically, because I told those guys at Border there's something important there. And then they said, okay, if it's so important, then we need a company for it. Uh, who's going to run it? You can do that. And uh, here I am. Amazing. So just give us a timeline on that. So you first learned about blockchain, you know, talking through industry, having some conversations. Around what year was that? I think it was 2015. And it was in Austin, Texas, actually. And there were some people from the, uh, from, from the Ethereum core team having a speech there. And I sat there because I basically, well, I heard about Bitcoin, but I was never really interested in that. And I said, yeah, let's learn something about that. And that was completely amazing for me because I started uh, noticing uh, that this thing is going to change the world completely because it is applicable basically to everything out there, not only your personal life and not only finance, but also any type of industry. The power of the smart contract was actually what, what got me. And uh, that was uh, pretty amazing. And uh, well, since then, I'm into blockchain. No, that's great. And it's good to have that background context. I mean, the fact that you've been in it for almost well, six years, about to be seven, and as you go through this industry, we've seen the waves, the ups and downs, and just how much it has evolved and things are being continued to be built on top. It's interesting that smart contracts is what really drew you in. For, for me, when I first learned about crypto uh, back in early 2018, and I, I first learned about you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ethereum captured my attention for the same reasons, for the fact that it was more of a platform with things being built on top. So when you were looking at blockchain protocol and, and just even observing what, what Kilt is, it looks like it is meant to be something that other things are built on top of. So can you just explain, you know, what was the thesis behind Kilt 
and what made you want to uh, create this company? Yeah, um, coming from industry, uh, you think maybe a little bit different than coming straight from university. When you come straight from university, you want to change the world all over. When you come from industry, you think of applications and how you could actually apply a technology to a given use case. And this is what uh, what we yeah, have what drove us in the in the beginning and still driving us. So we were looking at okay, there's this beautiful technology. What is it good for? And the answer was when we started in 28 in January 2018, uh, the answer was even harder than it is today. Uh, it was like, yeah, you can have bitcoins and then you can have smart contracts, but smart contracts are well, they are just small pieces of software when you look at them closer. And uh, there, there was no really no no industry adoption. And we thought, okay, industry adoption is going to take a while, uh, which is normal. When you look at the internet, it also took quite a decade or two uh, until industry started using this thing. And then the question is, what, what will the first part, where, where will it happen first? And this is probably where it is needed most. We looked at uh, how digital identity is actually being uh, produced in the internet of today, in Web2, we call that. This is completely wrong. And it's, it's, uh, it's so much worse than uh, the uh, non-digital identity that we have. I can explain that later if you want. And that actually is a step back. So we're digitizing and we're doing it worse than we did it before. So, and, and it seems that the internet is in a way constructed the way that it always goes in this wrong direction. This is where we still think that the first adoption of industry will actually happen. So this is why we said, okay, let's work in digital identity. Yeah. And I mean, it's a great point. And even with announcements like Facebook going to changing its names to Meta and, and the switch to the future, which is the metaverse and a lot of these different companies starting to stem up and, and, and have some initial success with that kind of announcement, it's more important that we continue to keep our identities private, even as we think about living in a COVID world with having to show proof of vaccination and everything else. Identity is becoming more and more and more a necessity, especially our digital identity. So as we think through that process, how is it that Kilt is uniquely going after to, to help solve that, that challenge? Yeah, well, we looked at it uh, quite a long time. And uh, the, the idea was, uh, look at what we have in the physical world. In the physical world, we have, when you look, when you, when you work, when you talk about identity, actually, it's, it's a, this is a very blurry thing, right? What's uh, everybody thinks something else. What you can say about identity is basically it always consists of two things. Uh, the one thing is an identifier that could be your face, for example. It identifies you by making you different from others. When I look at a different face, then I see there's a different person. So this identifies you. And this is, per definition, decentralized in the physical world because it's your face and uh, some genes and you uh, made it. And uh, there was no government, no company giving you face to you. So this is per se decentralized in the physical world. And then this is not your identity. It's just an identifier. Your identity is much more. It's where, uh, where you studied. It's uh, that if you can drive a car. It's where you live, uh, which nationality you are, and all that stuff. This brings together your identity. And those identity fragments, they are actually represented by credentials. And those credentials are issued by trusted entities. So there's a government which gives you your identity card or your passport. There's a driver's license department which gives you a driver's license. There's a university which gives you your university diploma. There's the public library, which gives you the library card. So all those uh, things are basically trusted entities, and they link in a very clever way, actually, your identifier to the credential that they issue. They just put your name on it, or you put, they put your face on it, picture of your face. And this is how you can go 
and present one of those credentials to someone. And if they trust the issuer of this credential, then they can actually trust you because there's a face to your face on it. Um, and and that's, that's totally great, actually, because it's absolutely frictionless because uh, the issuer of the, of the credential is not part of the identity transaction. If I go to a bar and I have to be like 18 to get in and show my driver's license, the driver's license department will never find out which bar I went to. This is great. This is great privacy because I decide as a user, who will I show my credential to? Why will I show it? And which part will I show? I can even put my thumb over the driver's license so that the barman doesn't see my name because he doesn't need to see my name. He just needs to see the picture and he needs to see my date of birth. That's enough. This is what we call selective disclosure. So this is actually a great process. And then if we look at the internet, we see that all the data, including uh, the identifier, is actually held by Facebook. This is quite not so private because they can do with my credentials whatever they want. They can show them to others. And they obviously don't even show them to me. They show them just to others. <laughs> this is not great. And in the physical world, I have my wallet full of credentials, which all bear my name or my picture. And I choose where to show when to show it and which part of my identity actually I want to disclose to others. So uh, what led us to build Kilt is actually, uh, let's try to bring this model from the physical world into the digital world. This happens in two ways, basically. So first of all, you need to have a possibility to create this identifier yourself and not by talking to a service. Uh, so you need a piece of software, which you have to install on your computer or your phone or whatever. And this produces your identifier, first of all. So this, of course, has a private and the public part. The public part is your address, basically. Yeah, it's, it's a picture of your face. And then you have the private part where you can sign with, so to make sure that you actually did something. Then on top of that, we build so-called verifiable credentials, which is a standard. Verifiable credentials are actually credentials which you request from a, from a trusted entity. So you go to a trusted entity and say, hey, I passed my driver's license test. Can I please have a driver's license? And they will ask you for a picture of your face, obviously. And then they attach the picture of your face to this. Uh, credential, then they sign the credential, and then they send it back to you. Now it's yours, and you choose where you show it, when to show it, and it is stored on your computer. It's not stored on the database of the driver's license department, right? And uh, th this reproduces actually the, the cool things that we had in the physical world for the digital world, and this is what Kilt is all about. Got it. Thank you for that. Let me just try to re-break that down. So ultimately, you are creating an identifier that we can use in the real world that's not just staying in a place with us not even having the ability to see uh, where it all is living, where, what all we're uh, choosing to share. Prime example of the Facebook, you know, once we kind of go in their service, they kind of track and watch everywhere that we go and then use all that information to share it back to potential advertisers. But in a place like Kilt, just like going to get your driver's license or whatnot, once you go and get it, now it's yours. And unless you go somewhere and, and someone is trying to prove your identification, no one can just immediately go get it. There has to be a, a reason or a ping for that type of information to be gathered in the first place. Exactly. Unless you publish it. Of course, you can publish it. Then There might be use cases for that as well. But in the normal case, it's first of all yours. You can also publish your... Uh, your passport on, on your website, if you like. That, that's also possible, of course. Right. Hopefully someone wouldn't do that, but you have the opportunity to definitely do that. Okay, so we have the basis of, of what Kilt is, which is to help with creating that identifier. But I believe you can also come on here and use your SDK to build applications on top of that. Can you kind of explain how that works? 
Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, this is Steve Miller, and I'm the host of CC Live, the show that keeps you up to date with what's popping off in crypto land. Every episode of CC Live brings you the latest news, keeps you updated on the top projects, and decrypts everything you need to know to get ahead in the wild world of Web3. So if you really want to stay Cryptocurrent, join Richard, Chris, and I every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on YouTube Live. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to Cryptocurrent's YouTube channel today, and as always, stay Cryptocurrent. That's the thing that maybe I forgot that in the bio. In the beginning, I, I also worked in open source for quite a while. I was board member of the Drupal Association, so I'm pretty much open source infected. I also looked at the business models behind open source. And that's quite interesting because open source, when you look at Linux and Drupal and WordPress and all those guys, actually it works a little bit different than what we have in blockchain. In blockchain, it's also open source, of course. But the business models are different. In, uh, when you look at the, the successful big open source projects, actually, uh, they normally have a very small core team of people maintaining the thing, the, the core. Uh, and then there's a lot of people out there who actually contribute to that. And this people, so in Drupal, for example, it's, it's 20 people or so uh, controlling the system. And then you have 70,000 people out there contributing to the software. And 70,000 people won't contribute if they don't get paid. So the 20 people obviously can't pay the 70,000. That wouldn't be possible. And as the software uh, has no license fee, also the software is not going to pay them. So how does it work? Actually, it works by building business opportunities around that. And this is where, where open source is really, really good. And this is what we try to be as well. So there's tons of opportunities how you can build on top of Kilt how you can be part of the community and do something useful. And this useful thing you sell then as a piece of software or with a license or whatever, um, or as an attester who has trust and uh, issues credentials. So there's many, many more opportunities to, to make money around that. And when you do that, then you're probably somehow successful. And when you're successful, uh, other people will see, wow, that's great, actually, can I do it myself? And then you will have lots of small companies uh, emerging from that. And this is how the open source normally works. And this is exactly what we want to have with Kilt. We want integrators who have already contacts to their, I don't know, some little small software companies who work for, I don't know, auto manufacturers or for publishers or for whatever you like. So they have the customers already. We want them to integrate or to build software on top of Kilt and sell that. Sell it per hour, sell it per license, we don't really care. Um, but in the end, they will be grateful for having the Kilt thing below there, and they will not give us money. We will never take a share, but they will give us part of the software and contribute back to Kilt. And this is how the community actually grows. And if we have, if we manage to build a striving community of Lots of people who are happy building on top of Kill. This thing is just going to grow. This is what we are looking for. No doubt. It's a solid model. And just like you said, I appreciate you breaking that, uh, breaking that down because I myself have been very curious about this open source of like, all right, how do the originators ultimately find a way to monetize and whatnot? But to your point, it sounds like when you create so much and add so much value to other people and you have this valuable ecosystem and you can have some of that data knowledge and whatnot, there's things that you can use and, and do with it. So definitely appreciate you breaking that down. And, and another direction I want to go real quick is I believe you had like two major announcements that came out. I want to start with one. Y'all are officially decentralized. Can you explain what, like, what that means and, and why it's a big deal? 
Uh, I think it's a, it's a really big deal uh, nowadays because there's uh, there you you see some blockchain projects out there, especially you said, when you look at past like like Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, that was natural decentralized. So it was it was the like uh, yeah, of course you do in blockchain you have to decentralize. Over the last years, we saw some projects which were rather, let's say, private blockchains or not really permissionless blockchains. And as those things are not really decentralized then because they have someone who has to take, well, who, who's in the center <laughs> and who makes the software and all that stuff, um, which uh, has use cases, no doubt about it. But it is just a fancy database in my eyes. And uh, so I think decentralization uh, moved a little bit away from our focus in the last year or from the focus of the blockchain community. Uh, but it is the actual purpose of the blockchain stuff, right? <laughs> it's, it's there. Exactly. And uh, this is why we are uh, actually yeah, quite keen to actually do everything to be really decentralized. There's many aspects to that. So first of all, you have to have shared security with another uh, network, which is totally permissionless and uh, public, or you have to do it yourself. That, that's, that's one point. The next point that we achieved that by, uh, by, by connecting to uh, Kusama, which is part of the Polkadot world. And uh, we, have, we went to those uh, so-called slot auctions and won one of the slots. So we are, we are part of the shared security of the of the Kusama network. So this is decentralization step one, and then of course you need people who actually run your blockchain, right? You shouldn't do it yourself on your own computer because that would be pretty centralized. You have just five friends who do that, but it should be open and permissionless, and everyone could uh, should join, should be able to join there. Uh, which is the second part. This is our collator network, which we set up, and then the third part which just happened last week, uh, and that's the full de decentralization, then is giving up control over uh, the software. So any changes that are being made in the future are not determined by us. They are determined by the community. So there's voting mechanisms on there, and everyone can have an opinion. So everyone can say, everyone who's part of the Guild Network can actually say, hey, I want the number of collators changed from 75 to 76 for whatever reason then there will be a vote on that and the whole community can vote on it for a week and then the decision is made and the blockchain is automatically updated. So this parameter is automatically changed without anyone uh, laying hands on it. Uh, and, and this is an important step, I think, uh, in the life of a blockchain so that it is actually now owned by the community, which is absolutely great for us because it's, uh, and it works. That's the best thing about it. Right. No, it's it's ideal. And thanks for breaking down the centralization. I know a lot of newbies come in and they kind of are curious about what the difference between like centralized and decentralized. And I think that was a good like story of how you got to decentralization and why it's such a big deal. And I agree with you. There's so many newer projects that are going back to being more centralized. And I think it has to do with being able to onboard clients faster. But speed to have like an end user doesn't necessarily pay off in the long run. I think if you keep blockchain at its core of what it was meant to be, which is decentralized, giving the power to the users, giving the power to the community and doing it in a safe and secure way that really gets the community more involved and feels like they have a hand in the game. And because they're, they're truly part of being able to make the decisions, which I think is absolutely incredible. So well, when you look at things like identity, so identity is uh, potentially dangerous if you have a lot of data in it, right? This is what we see with the Facebooks and others right now. And if you if you're out there to descend to 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 make it better, then you actually can't build a company 
which owns all the data or controls the network where all the data is in, right? <laughs> it needs to be decentralized, otherwise it's getting dangerous again. And maybe if it's successful, even more dangerous than Facebook in the end, because there's not only the user's data in, but also machine data and all that stuff. You know, think of IoT devices. If that's all in the killed network and then somebody controls this thing, that would be terrible. When you do something which might be important for the world, uh, then you have to take care that it is fully decentralized. Otherwise, you are just not better than the, than the Facebooks. Right. And and thanks for making that uh, distinction. Something that you brought up a, a second ago that I want to go back for a quick second, you brought up the fact that you have a, a parachain with Kusama. Can you just explain what that is and why that's also an, another big deal and, and how parachains help with creating more and more of that community? So the idea of parachains is uh, quite genius, I would say. It wasn't my idea, uh, but uh, it's, it's quite good <laughs> because another thing that, that we see, especially around Ethereum and some Ethereum clones, is uh, that, you, uh, that everyone uses the same blockchain, basically, and they put a smart contract into it. And then uh, if the smart contract is CryptoKitties, then everything breaks down uh, because there's too much traffic on the network. And if it's not CryptoKitties, the price of the gas, the gas price goes up and down because it's congesting the network, because everyone uses the, own, the same network. Uh, the idea behind Polkadot and Kusama is that everybody actually builds their own blockchain and they are purpose blockchains. So, so they do one thing well, but they don't do everything. So Kilt does not have smart contracts. It just has DIDs, decentralized identifiers, and verifiable credentials. There's nothing else there. There's nothing you can do with Kilt, only this thing. But it's its own blockchain. It's not a smart contract running on another system. It's its own blockchain. So this blockchain derives the security and also communication features from a so-called relay chain. And those relay chains are Kusama and Polkadot. So you want to connect to one of those relay chains and then you produce blocks in your uh, blockchain and then you send every single block over to the relay chain and they make an audit on the block if it actually fits the last block and nothing bad has happened, and then they approve it, and then, then they send it back, and then you don't need the extra, you don't need extra security in your, your system. So uh, that's quite attractive. Of course, this is also forming an ecosystem because it's terribly easy to speak with, to interact with other blockchains in this ecosystem. There's many like Moonbeam, like Arcala, and all those guys who are doing a great job. One of them is doing smart contracts, one of them is doing more finance. We are doing identity and it all fits together to a great system, which is never congested because it's, uh, it's, it's tens of blockchain, maybe dozens of blockchain, maybe hundreds of blockchains in the end, which are running in parallel and they, will, they all do their job and they are communicating through this relay chain mechanism, which makes it easy for us to collaborate, of course, uh, very frictionless. It's also building a great ecosystem, which uh, can be really valuable, I think, in the future, because uh, it's, 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 it's completely transparent what's happening there. It's great to be there, but there's only limited places. A-chain cannot do thousands of uh, parachains today. So there's a mechanism that the owners of the Kusama or the dot coins actually vote on who's going to be the next parachain. So who do they want inside their network? They value that probably on different things, but one of them is obviously, can it be useful for the network? And then they use their coins, the dots and the Kusamas, to vote on who's next in. Well, we have been voted on, which is cool, and now we part its family. No, that's awesome. And thank you for breaking down parachains. I think that's a really, really, really cool distinction because it immediately solves the major issue that a lot of people who are in crypto, most of you, 
who are dealing with Ethereum and dealing with any of the coins or dealing with any of the NFTs and understanding how much you're spending in gas and why that's happening and, and how parachains can help solve that because each of these blockchains, each of these ecosystems has a part to play, but they don't jam up the system, which is amazing and helps with scalability and helps with everything else. Because as you think about the entire crypto ecosystem, as we continue to grow, we're still very small. I believe last number I saw, it's like 1.5% of the world is in crypto or something like that, which is absolutely nothing. So if, if we just went to 5% all of a sudden, the system would get fried. We, we could not handle that type of load. And it's ecosystems like Adad Kusama and, and some of these others that are spinning these parachains up and, and making sure that there's layer one, layer two scalability is, is being fixed is what's going to help make these interactions and these transactions faster, smoother, and, and make it pleasant for all these newcomers who aren't necessarily as uh, proficient in the old days of, of, of crypto blockchain and, and speed with everything else. So I really definitely appreciate you, you breaking that down. I think it's important for, for people to understand the parachain distinction. So thank you for that. But I'll tell you what, man, you have dropped a significant amount of great knowledge on us and you definitely got us excited to learn more about Kill. But before we wrap this up, I got two final fun questions uh, to wrap up with you with. The first being, with all the information and knowledge you have right now, if you go back to yourself and you first learned about blockchain back in 2015 or back when you were first starting this company, what are one or two pieces of wisdom you would give yourself as you started this journey? Well, first would probably be uh, think of congesting blockchains. Uh, <laughs> I'm so amazed about the smart contracts. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably that would be uh, would have something would have been something I would uh, would have told myself. And that's the one thing. The other thing. Be prepared that identity is more complex than you thought. <laughs> it, it actually it took us almost a year to actually to uh, to dig down in every aspect of uh, of identity and and to uh, model a system that we could actually start building. Uh, so it was. Uh, I, I thought it would be much easier. Like uh, you, can, you can call this person A and this person B and B, and then you finish. No, it's not. It's much more. And there's a lot uh, of things to think about, uh, but that's uh, well. It was fun, so I wouldn't even tell me. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, but but you bring up a really good point of like some people get so caught up in the world of crypto because everything moves so fast. Same thing with blockchain; everything's moving so fast that it takes time to build things. It takes time to build companies. And with you being being in multiple industries, startups, etc., you know that things just aren't built overnight. And I really am fascinated by companies who are willing to put in the time and understand that like, hey, this is going to take, it's going to take a few years to build out. But when we have it, we're going to have a fully functioning product that people can use and be able to move quickly on top of, which I think is great because unfortunately you have a lot of projects that are raising money, promising the moon, the sky and the stars. And initially once they are out to the world, they don't have anything. And now they're spending the next two or three years building instead of vice versa. And so I think it's really cool the approach of like, even though it took you a year to really think through every single scenario of like, what does identity look like? When you were able to start building on top of that, it, I know it's benefited you because now you are able to move a lot faster. You have something way more secure. And uh, I mean, the fact that you got onto a parajane, again, speaks volumes of, of what the Kasama and Polkadot community think of y'all. So congratulations, keep up the great work. And the final thought that I want to leave with you and, and final question rather is, what is a final thought that you want to leave with all of our listeners here today? Maybe the thought that I just got from you uh, in your last sentences is probably uh, that if you if if you're building something in blockchain, it's not only engineers that you need. You should look around you and look that you look about your legislation, about uh, regulators, and all that. 
uh, you might need a lawyer in your company uh, to actually guide you the right way to do things which are not illegal and stuff like that. That's really, really important because if you want to not do something like, uh, I don't know, something really crazy, which is a moonshot and then uh, explodes, if you want to build something sustainable, uh, you have to look around you. It's really important that you think about every single step that you make. That's very necessary. It's also really necessary that you have communication around you. It's not enough to just build some cool memes. Communication is more than that. Uh, you have to write things so that people understand them, right? You have to have good documentation around what you do. Uh, you should follow standards if they are applicable somewhere. And you should have people who can build network because it's not you alone. It's always when, when you think about how Web3 moves now, it's hundreds of companies in there. Uh, they're all doing different things, most of them doing great things, actually. And they understand it's not me, it's us. And I think you have to start partnering um, and partnering with the same people. There's just there's people out there which you don't want to partner with because there are criminals. And let's be careful uh, who you speak with, who you uh, who you partner with. So those things are, I think, important uh, if if you build companies uh, which are in the blockchain space. So don't be don't rush it. Uh, take care about uh, the whereabouts. No doubt. I think that's a, a great final thought for everyone building in this space. It's okay to move slowly if it means you're doing it correctly and you're protecting yourself and you're protecting all of those who you're bringing on board to come on you with your journey to hopefully build the next greatest crypto or blockchain project in the space. Do security audits on your software. Don't just build something and put it out there and see if it works. Uh, that's not nice for the people. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, we'll definitely appreciate that. But again, uh, Ingo, appreciate your time. What are ways that people can connect with you and learn more about Kilt? Uh, well, we do have a Telegram site, as far as I know. Uh, we uh, do have Twitter. Uh, it's all Kilt protocol, basically. So uh, we have a website. It's kilt.io. Very good starting point for thinking, for uh, connecting with us. Uh, if you want to develop, I think this, that's the most important thing. Uh, also go to dev.kilt.io, where you find all the developer uh, uh, documentation that you need to start building great things on top of Kilt. Yeah, I think those are the most important. Awesome. Well, Ingo, thank you again so much for spending some time with us. And for everyone listening, stay Cryptocurrent. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Josh Christ. Whether you're well-established as someone who can translate creative energy into the impact you want to have on the crypto world or just getting started as a catalyst for change within the industry, this is a must-listen for you. Richard does an incredible job leading conversations that cover a huge breadth of topics related to the ins and outs of navigating an ever-changing crypto landscape. The leaders who've actually walked the path. Highly recommend listening and subscribing. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes.
Want to stay up to date on the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Cargon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.